make mine. Is this still Make My Multiversity, or is this just like a Hickman and X Men podcast? Basically, it, this is now an X Men fan account. So that's that's what this is. Sorry, everybody who listens. Uh, okay, uh, welcome back to Make Mine Hickman. <laughs> I'm Kevin. With me, as usual, uh, is Jess, and we are here to uh, exclusively talk about uh, John and Hickman, House of X, Powers of Ten, and how great it is <laughs> that's not true we're gonna talk about some other stuff but we're really we're really gonna talk about that for a while um so this is our regular august third week third friday of the month episode if you're coming to us from apple Podcasts, stitcher soundcloud uh please take a moment here at the beginning pause the podcast uh uh please subscribe and then at the end rate review us we'd love to hear from you we'd love to hear your thoughts if you're coming to us and you've never heard of us, if you stumbled upon us in the ethereal search bar and you're like, huh, this sounds cool, uh, and you haven't heard of multiversitycomics.com where we're hosted, uh, you need to head over there. Multiversitycomics.com is your home for all things comic news, reviews, podcasts, think pieces, this, that, and the other, what have you. It's a wonderful, wonderful website, and you should be sure to check it out. Uh, but with all of that, usually we would begin the show talking about some news. And Marvel's been pretty quiet since San Diego Comic-Con ended when they dumped a ton of stuff. And part of that probably has to do with how wildly abuzz a the internets have been in the past three weeks with the release of House of X-1, Powers of 10-1, and now House of X-2 this last week. So we're going to take a moment, more than a moment, to talk about House of x Number two, written by Jonathan Hickman, illustrated by Pepe Larraz, colored by Marte Gracia, and lettered by Clayton Cowles. We'll spend the first part of the episode talking about that issue, and then we'll come back in part two and talk about some other big books of August and, and July. Uh, Absolute Carnage, number one, Valkyrie, number one, and Death's Head, number one. Uh, but with that, oh my god, this is a great book. It, it blew my mind. Honestly, oh. like... I, I feel like with X-Men, I've read so much X-Men and it's like, I've seen everything. So I don't know, like, how can you blow the minds of like longtime fans? That's how you do it. That's exactly it. It's so clever. Like, oh my God. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to jump ahead too much, but it's so clever. <laughs> <laughs> it really, it really, and even, even like, for me, as somebody who, like we talked about uh, last episode when Vince was on, and we talked about House of X and Powers of Ten One, I haven't read a lot of X Men comics, but oh my god, like this is it's just great, like it's just great, like I, and it's and I think it's just like so accessible too, but it's like so dense, and oh, and I I just think it's wonderful. I just think it's wonderful. Um, you may all be wondering. I mean, you probably aren't wondering because you've read the issue, presumably. Um, but let's just dive. Let's just dive right into it. Let's dive into the to the biggest part of the issue. We'll talk about our reactions, and then we'll build out from there. So, um, so what really? So the big thing, the, the blowing your mind thing, and it starts on page one of of this comic, is that this issue is is called the Uncanny Lives of of Moira X, Moira Ten, um, and we learn that Moira McTaggart, who longtime X Men character, and I'll get Jess to to give maybe a little back background here in a second, um, who we all thought was a human is actually a mutant. And she's been reincarnating after every time that she lives 
her life. So she gets the to the end of her first life and dies and then wakes up and lives, wakes up in utero. Yeah. Like not even just like wakes up, wakes up, wakes up in utero and lives her life over again with all of the knowledge of her first life. Yeah. Um. So Jess. Groundhog Day did rules. I, did I get that right? <laughs> yes. Groundhog, Groundhog Day rules. It's very important to say that because if, if you go by like what reincarnation usually is, it's you die and you come back and that time keeps going. So it's like really important to note that it's, she goes back to the beginning and that's that's yeah. kind of the mind blowing part of it. Yeah, and that's like when I got when I got to the panel on the like on the third page or whatever where it was like Mora begins her second life. I was like, wait a minute. So did she like? Because like the first page looked sort of like it could have been um, old, like old old timey. I was thinking like all that stuff was happening you know, like, like 16, 1700s or something. And then, no, she like wakes up and like lives, lives, lives her life over again. Like from the moment that she was born and like when she was, you know, regularly born or whatever to the moment that she then dies again. And that keeps going. It keeps going. It's not like a, uh, you know, you're born in the 1930s, you die in, in the 1990s and then you start over in the 1990s. It's like, no, you go back to the 30s. And, and she's done that 10 she's times. 10 times, Yeah. <laughs> Is what we learn in this in this issue. Um, so, Jess, as a longtime X X fan, uh, what what was your what was your sort of reaction or big like what the hell to that to that reveal and to this? What were your your initial thoughts like of of this issue like coming away from? It's that? insane, is what it is. Like, it's so good because so basically, Moira has always been like the X-Men's token human, which is kind of a terrible way to put it, but that is basically what she is. She's like the one human that they like and that they trust and works with them. So she was, if, if memory serves me right, she was a Claremont creation. So she comes in like during that era, which for a lot of people is like the X-Men era. Um, and she's mostly, so she's a geneticist. She's, well, it depends on who's writing her, but basically she's an, a very gifted scientist who usually works in um, stuff that has to do with mutants. So she'll help mm-hmm. mutants um, uh, and she'll, she'll try her best to do what's right for them as a species. Um, and that's, and she also, uh, I don't know if that's still canon, but she also helped create Cerebro. Um, and that's kind of what puts her like in the whole on and off again romance with with Charles Xavier. Um, mm-hmm. So throughout like her history as a character, she's only really been like the scientist they need when they when something's going on, and they just turn to her. You know, that's kind of what she does, and she's sometimes a love interest. Like she also had a, a long on again off again thing with Banshee. But I don't know how much of that still is considered, like, even in Hickman's run. Even with, with what he does in the timelines, I don't know if any of that's still, at least the Banshee stuff. Charles Xavier stuff, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> We'll talk about the timelines. <laughs> oh, my God. Because uh, nobody on the internet is agree- has agreed on, like, what is all at the end of the day. But keep going. But, yeah, that that's basically who she is. And um, she's, even in the movies that she's appeared in, that's been her role. She's been the the one human that they can turn to. And she's interacted with all the big characters. Um, she's uh, 
been close with Xavier and Magneto and um, the core, like, original five X-Men. And she's been dead for a little while. Um, She died... I think she died during... Like, she died after the Legacy Virus thing. Um, I think she died for real in, like, Deadly Genesis. Someone will have to double-check that for me, but I think that's when she officially died. Um, But she isn't... She's interesting on her own, but doing this with her makes her, like, the arguably, like, the third most important mutant in the history of mutants behind Xavier and Magneto. It's... (laughs) That's how great this twist is. Um, But yeah, like, when I finished reading this issue, I was like, wait a minute. Did Hickman just make Moira, like, insanely important for real now? Not, like, a plot device? Like, she's, like... She is the plot. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I love it. I love it. I was actually... Okay, and maybe this is just me being kind of cynical, but, like, when I finished reading it, I was actually thinking I was going to get on Twitter, and it was going to be a lot of people hating it. (laughs) Um, Because it's such a big twist, and usually people are weird about big twists, but um, I loved it. I loved it. I love how important it makes Moira. I mean, Moira was always important, but she was always very important in a specific kind of way, where she was kind of disposable. And I think what's interesting about what he does is, like, technically she's disposable because she can just keep dying. (laughs) But, like... Or she can only die one one more more time. time, Which I have a whole theory on that anyway. But, um... (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it's so... It's it's exciting. It's really exciting. It's... I, I don't even know how that comes to someone's mind to do this, but I'm happy. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there have been people this last week uh, saying, like, have been mad a little bit about this issue because they feel like Hickman, after three issues, the whole creative team have just dropped, uh, like, just, like, nuggets of, like, story building and are not really telling, and world building and are not really telling a full story. And I think all those people are idiots because I think this is, like, a full story and, like, a full, um, like, origin story Mm -hmm. for for Moira and a full, uh, again, like, if like I don't know how you can read these first three issues and say that there's no story here at no, all because like clearly there's... no Go you're ahead. right and like that it's that kind of twist is like something that someone else would save for the very end and then rush by what all of that means but this is only the third issue of these two books and he's already given yeah. us that like that's so like that just makes me think like what the hell is he gonna do the next like. 10 9 10 issues that we've got it's like what <laughs> yeah yeah and this was the issue and and last and last issue because of the moment where um like Ramora and charles are sitting on the park bench and he like reads her mind like that happens first in powers of 10 and we one and we don't know the implications but we get all of the implications oh, I, I, I here that. and that was the moment yeah and that was the moment that hickman was like this is the biggest moment in x-men history is is this thing and this, like, at the, the back part of the issue where it, like, has the, you know, list of when all the issues are coming out, like, this was one of the issues that was highlighted mm-hmm. in red that people were speculating of, like, oh, those must be the big ones. And the next big one is House of X-5 and then Powers of 10-6. Um, so, like, I, I think that this is, like, this is mm-hmm. the big thing that'll carry the middle of this series 
and then we'll get a, a bunch of big reveals at the end and then we'll we'll break off into um into what the sort of status quo is going to be for a while or whatever but god this is wild yeah um oh my gosh uh yeah like i was so i was reading this issue uh and i was just like going through all these like all of her lives and it's just like it's so like it's just so cool and so and so brilliant and i love like that she lives um like each life and she's just like trying to uh like trying to to figure like to figure it out and to like try like literally like to try to try everything um and i love that she like re- rejects xavier at first because he's a prick and then he like then she like falls in love with him and then and then like she tries that a couple times and then that doesn't work and then she like is an assassin and then that doesn't work and then she's like a, a magneto extremist and that doesn't work and then she um like teams up with with apocalypse and like that timeline like doesn't have an ending yeah in this issue which is just wild and then also like the thing that i didn't even realize until i read this a second time which like people on the internet were talking about is that we don't get her sixth life at all no which just means that there's like there's more like we skip from when the sentinels kill um like the what I guess is probably like the first sort of Genosha, like the first sort of mutant safe haven, and she dies in that timeline, and then she's, and that's life five, and then we skip to life seven. Like we don't get life six, but like life seven seems like the natural sort of like next step for life, like the end of life five, because like Bolivar Trask like builds all the Sentinels and sends them to kill, and then she like, like kills all of his his family and. So I don't, and I want to know what happens. And so like, there's just like, so like, it tells like a full, a full complete story. That's just buck wild. And we get to the end and there's just even, there's just even, even more. And I love, I love how, because we talked a little bit and here's, here's where I want to go next. Like we talked a little bit last episode about the need to have two different series rather than just one 12 issue series. And I love that, like, like Powers of Ten, House of X one kind of told the present. How, Powers of Ten one had the past and the and the present and the future, but it mostly focused on the future. And here we're getting sort of like the past, but it's like a wild past. But this is not, I guess, like an a, it's an extension of Powers of Ten because that moment in Powers of Ten happens here, but it's still sort of follows i think from house of x because we're learning exactly what the house of x is and it's this creation that moira and xavier and magneto have have come up with and i think that 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 warrants having two different books like this which is just which i not that i like wasn't sold before but i'm like definitely sold now that there needs to be two books because the scope of the story is wide enough that we need to have weird timeline shit in powers of 10. And we need to have like focusing on what is the house of X and how did it come to be in house of X? What gets me about this twist is like, this is basically Jonathan Hickman saying that everything that ever happened to the X-Men does count, but it didn't all happen at the same time. Yes. Yeah. That's like the craziest thing about the whole thing, because like the X-Men timeline, like is kind of uh, weird and really 
complicated to try to put together. A lot of things don't add up. So if you get really deep into figuring that out, like the continuity of everything, you're going to drive yourself insane. This just can't be done. So even with grand design, um, Pisker only went up to a certain point. So <laughs> um, he basically says, yeah, all of this happened, but a lot of the big, some of the big moving pieces that only relate, and this is another part of it, that only relate to Charles Xavier, um, all happened. And that's, and that's like the other thing about the twist that I kind of love, because he's saying that all of this did happen at different points in her multiple lives, but some things were completely out of her hands because she only in she only affects the timeline by when she chooses to meet Xavier. So mm-hmm. like stuff like the Dark Phoenix saga, the the Phoenix 5 like a couple years ago, the the younger X-Men coming through the timeline and coming back to the past, to the future, like all of that still happens cuz she has nothing to do with that. It's everything that involves like Xavier's dream that she has something directly to do with. And then that's why yeah. like this new timeline is so interesting because she choose and like this is like the other big bombshell I think that we're all kind of talking about like Moira having the the reincarnation ability, but there's like another part of this that I think is kind of mind-blowing too. When she comes back this 10th life, she shows Xavier all of her other lives which she didn't do in any of the other, in any of the previous lives. So it's like, she's showing him every single thing that can ever happen that she has lived through. And now it's up Mm -hmm. to them to, to like, they keep saying to break the rules and do everything different. So that's like the other part of this. That's kind of mind blowing is like, now he has the knowledge of who she is and all the different things that she's done. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, I so I think the part about this saying that everything that's ever happened to the X Men has happened, and like continuity be damned, and it doesn't matter how it fits together because it can be a part of one of of Moira's lives makes a lot of sense. And there have been a lot of people trying to figure out like, well, which which life are we in right now, or which life has like a lot of stuff kind of happened in. And there were people trying to say that we're in like life number four is the life that we're like that the main Marvel universe is in. And that maybe like life, this life 10 is this like different continuity and like Hickman stuff is taking place differently. And I don't think that that's the case. No, I do. Either. Yeah. I do wonder though that like some of, cause like life four is the life where um, like she falls in love with Xavier and um, it says like, you know, it says like, Oh, so much so that she stood by his side for the rest of their days through the gifted years, the time of hate and fear, the lost decade, and until the very end. Um, and like all of those uh, sort of like panels look like panels from um, what seem like iconic sort of like X-Men moments. Not that I really know, but they seem like images that I've seen before. Like the first one is like the first time that we see sort of like the original five X-Men and then the second one seems like it could be something out of like a uh, I don't know if like if that's like Grant Morrison or more or more Claremont or whatever people on on Twitter were saying that the last decade refers to like everything that's happened in the X-Men universe in the last 
decade because it's all just been this like nostalgia driven like masturbatory thing and so they're like oh Hickman's dissing like everything that anybody's done in the last 10 years and I'm not sure about that necessarily but I do think it it's it's sort of as like there have been things that are sort of happening that are like less less cool or less important or whatever and so I like it seems like you can fit a lot of like iconic X-Men moments into that lifetime but I think that every like that what we're doing what we're living right now is life is life 10 and that's like I do too. the main yeah and also because you said that she died at some point um and on life 10 year 50 it says that she fakes her death on the on the timeline thing did you see that i did i did i um so <clears throat> she's like still like she is still alive which is also cool i think that the the theories are fun but i do think that we're in her 10th life um, yeah. and I think that she thinks destiny was right and that this is going to be like her last one maybe. Um, mm-hmm. but I think the end game for all of this is going to be that 11th life. Oh, really? So like, we'll get to the end of these series and then we'll get to like the 11th life and that's what you think is going to happen or, um, I haven't worked all that out yet, but I do think, <laughs> I do um I do think that like the end game for all of this is going to be that questionable 11th life. Yeah. Cuz yeah. she seems to be in a little bit more like showing him all the lives that she lived feels like panic mode to me. Mm-hmm. Like she could have done that at any other point and she didn't. Yeah. She does, well, she does it in life. She does it in life four or five or whatever. Like the one that she skimps out, uh, like runs away from home at 13 and goes to America. She says, shows him everything. And I think that's the one that the Sentinels come and destroy everything. I think that's life five. Um, but yeah, it does read like a sort of like a, this is my hell, hell, hell Mary of like, this is my last, my last shot of like, I've tried going to everyone. So maybe we can get everyone together and try to figure, try to figure it out this time. Yeah. Um, and it does read as kind of desperate. Um, or not, I mean, or not, or like, uh, like, okay, this is my last shot. I've learned everything. The most successful timelines have been the ones where she's been with Xavier. Cause I think part of it too, is like, she learns being with Magneto and being with apocalypse that like the violence is always just going to continue. Um, like it just ends with war and, and it ends like it ends with violence with like Xavier, but like, there's some good stuff. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, I also go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm, I'm trying to figure out, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out Hickman and I can't do it. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what did you think? We'll go back to the to the destiny scene because I didn't know who that was when she showed up, and I had to look up who who Destiny was um, on the Wikipedia's, and I didn't know that she was like a a character that had been around and was created by Claremont. Like I just saw a character with with a helmet and no eyes, and just assumed that 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 was a Hickman creation. No, um, bringing Destiny in is such a Hickman thing. Like I mean, honestly, like she's. She can see the future and she has like 
the ability, like, when she goes up to Moira, like, she's not messing with her. She's so serious. Like, she knows everything. Like, she knows exactly what she's been doing. She can see it all. And, like, she's been gone for a long time. And, like, Hickman saying, yeah, I'm going to use Destiny here. That's such a Hickman thing to do. It's so funny. But I like how he brings her in, and I like the attitude that he gives her. It's really good. And also, in case people didn't know, Mystique and Destiny are like soulmates. So Oh they're they're yeah, they're 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 soulmates. That's like Mystique's true one love. Like that's that's her girl. Really? Yes. Back um bef- like uh they they basically raised Rogue together. Oh well, like, yeah. So she's yeah, she's she's very important. Okay. She's very important in the history of Mystique, and she's always been an antagonist. Like her and Mystique did their own uh, Brotherhood of Mutants um, when the first one f- uh, f- fell apart. So um, th- she's very important. But because of that ability that she has, it's just such a Hickman thing to do to bring her in. Yeah. Um, whether or not she's gonna be around more, I don't know because she's been dead for a long time. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, that's why I mean like I saw so I saw people kind of like tweeting about that but I didn't really know what was going on and like Teeny Howard was really excited she says something like she's like put wives in all caps on like her Twitter yeah um and I I didn't know that they raced rogue together so that gives more sort of Mm -hmm. like weight to like Pyro saying calling her mother because I guess Mm -hmm. like in this life her and Mystique her and Mystique raised Pyro together or something um that's freaking wild oh my gosh yeah Oh my god! But Destiny's an old school character that um, has that ability, and her and Mystique had a very long romance together. Um, that I don't remember if it was always explicitly said, but it's like so implied mm-hmm. that they might as well have just had like matching T-shirts saying "We're married." Oh, okay, good, good. <laughs> but yeah, they're they're they are they are a long time couple that that's that's mystique's true love that's why when people say mystique is a queer character that's that's why that's like it right there yeah okay okay it's not projecting (laughs) yeah okay okay i yeah okay okay that's helpful um i had the moment the second time reading this and i wanted i wanted to ask ask you about it too is that at the so most of this most of this issue uh takes place through through narration we get narrating narration boxes of uh of things happening of some third party narrating the events because i keep referring to mora in the third person they keep talking about mora did this Moira did that um but there's moments where moira herself and panels like interrupts what's happening um and is like saying things and like referring to herself like in i statements like it happens on um like right after the first uh like design page where we get like a dump of of information about her like second life and she's like we get that and then she she comes in and is talking and has a word balloon and says what you would think would be amazing who would want to fix all the mistakes blah blah blah, blah. um and it made me think that like it implies like that the person narrating this thing is not moira but that like Moira is conscious of like this narration happening. And I wanted to know what you thought about that or um, if you had any thoughts or, or ideas or whatever. I didn't even think of that now that you mention it. Um, okay. Yeah. I don't know. Um, 
I think maybe it just has to do with the fact that she's so hyper aware of her own life and everything that's happened. I don't know. Yeah. I thought about, I thought about that. I thought about it might just be, this is how, um, like, this is how her, uh, telling, telling the story of her life to Xavier on like her 10th life is going or something. Mm -hmm. Like, I guess like him reading her mind is he's getting her history and he's getting it in, in like third person or something. Yeah, I don't know. Or I thought it might have something because we talked about, uh, last time, uh, about how like the, the design pages seemed like they were coming from some far future Mm -hmm. and we're like in the third person. And so I didn't know if, if, the narration was connected to some narrator that we haven't seen yet. Who's maybe at like, at like year a thousand or whatever in powers of 10. I'm going to just, um, I'm going to just throw out a really wild guess on if that's true, who the narrator is. It's going to be wrong, okay. but I'm going to just throw it out there. It's Franklin Richards. Oh, <laughs> that would be crazy. That would be crazy. That would be the ultimate mind fuck because it would, yeah, <laughs> it would yeah. be like, because if Hickman is like doing X-Men for a few years and that's like his big farewell to Marvel for a while because he's done everything he can, it would be so crazy to end it with like the Fantastic Four and it'd be Franklin Richards. Yeah, that would be crazy. That would Who be- has been shown to like, like he can manipulate universe, like the universe. It would be wild if like that's it because he's immortal and it's just like hanging out a thousand years from now and she's like, hey, look what happened. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That I I have no basis for that. I'm just throwing it. I'm just gonna guess. So if it ends up being right, we can remember that on this episode, episode thirty, <laughs> I guess it was Franklin Richards. Yeah, yeah. Well, that like because the recent the, the, the like the history of the Marvel Universe book that they're publishing right now from Mark Wade and Javier Rodriguez, uh, that like the first issue came out last month. That's what that story is. It's just Franklin and Galactus hanging out at the end of the world, and Franklin tells Galactus, "Tell me a story." And so Galactus like re-narrates the entire history of the Marvel universe to him over the course yeah. of six issues. So like I could see and, something and, wild like and that. It's not even, yeah, it's not. It wouldn't even be the first time they. It, that's not even the first time they used Franklin Richards like that. I can't remember what it was that they used him like that, where he was like, it was the end of the like everything was done, and like he was still just around because that's like it's, that's that's like what he is. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it was. I have to look it up. But I can't remember what it was, but yeah. It's going to be Franklin Richards. If that's the case, if this is all being narrated to us from somebody in the future, it's Franklin Richards. Yeah. Yeah. God, this is freaking wild. Oh. Oh, yeah. That would make sense. That would make sense. Um, uh, we, haven't, we haven't talked about, we haven't talked about, about the art yet. What did you think about, about La Raza and, and Gracia um, here? Um, it was as strong as last issue. I think what they do really well here is like each of Moira's lives feels very much like a different, like it feels very different from each other. Yeah. Like there's, there's like a special, there's like a unique way that it's drawn and colored. Mm-hmm. Like her being an assassin is drawn very different from her trying to cure the mutants. So I like all that. Yeah. That's like what stood out to me the most is, is the way that all of her lives were different. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's very true, um, and that's really that's really what I, yeah what I wanted to to mention. like it, it just is drawn like so brilliantly like that and you're right like it changes sort of like the colors and going from sort mm-hmm. of like this innocent um, almost like old schooly looking color palette in the beginning to then like the end of it with like apocalypse 
um, where it looks very much like the color palette from like Powers of Ten um, last issue, which is just so, which is just so cool. It's just so, yeah, I think, I think we're, I mean, like we said this last episode, but we're going to get to the end of this, these, both these series and like Pepe Larraz and RB Silva are just going to be like on a next, like a whole nother tier of, of artistic comic book talent or whatever. Um, yeah, that's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. Do you have any other, any other crazy theories or wild thoughts or, or. I just, I just can't figure out like all of this going on in these two books. And then after this is over, there's going to be a new series launched from it. And I just can't, it's like, it's gotta be hard to be a store right now because it's like, we don't have a lot of information as to what those series are going to be like or, or what timeline they take place in or, or anything like that. And it's like, I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't even try to guess what any of those books are going to be like. And I guess if you're a comic book store, that's got to be really difficult to deal with because you've got to place orders on all these. Yeah. Well, they had to place orders on them a while ago because like this is a weekly series. And so like the, the final order cutoff is, all sorts of weird. So I guess they had to order almost probably like the first two months of, of this like weekly series. So like eight issues of these comics before knowing yeah. um, how successful it was going to be or whatever. And I know it like it got, it got sent back for a second printing house of X and powers of 10 want number one, both of them got sent back for a second printing, like the week before house of 10 debuted or something like that. Yeah. So I think Marvel knew that like yeah. it was going to be big and I was reading a piece, um, uh, I don't know if you read Sketched, the site Sketched that David Harper does. It's like a subscription site now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess he was probably around on Multiversity like when you were, or like when you've been around too, probably, I would guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did a piece uh, recently where he like interviewed some comic stores and asked them how House of Ten and Powers of X were doing because he, you know, just like the hype is so big on the internet. And the article basically just says like they're selling gangbusters. Um, and like it's as big as it gets. So I think it probably at the beginning, I would imagine that a lot of them ordered really conservatively, but I would think they can ramp up their orders as we get to the end of this series, which will be really, really cool. Yeah. And I'm curious about the books that come after that. Yeah. 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 Cause we got some information, but it's like that information, it's not a lot. And it's like, what does it mean though? Like, (laughs) what, you know, it's like, it's like, yeah, there's an Excalibur book, but what, like, how does Excalibur fit into everything that's happening here? Yeah. Like, that's why this is so exciting to me because I feel like these two series are setting the stage for what the status quo is going to actually be. But even within this series, it's like, it's not just, oh, here's what this character's doing. Here's what that character's doing, blah, blah, blah. It's not like, it's like, oh, well now Moira McTaggart, is actually a mutant and she's been reincarnated 10 times yeah so that's where we're at she has affected all the timelines everything has always happened but not at the same time yeah oh okay yeah 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 um and it gives like i think even too like the thing that i noticed the the second time reading this is like the title of this of this issue is the uncanny life of moira x or moira 10 which i think like it's not just like the uncanny life of moira moira it's not just like the fact that she's like lived all these lives it's like 
of her like 10th life. And I think that like that even gives new meaning to like powers of 10 being called powers of 10. Cause it's like Moira X Moira 10 or whatever. So like powers of 10 is, is also like the X stands for like, this is Moira's 10th life also too, which is wild. But yeah, like, do we get to the end to all these series and like, do they take place in this 10th life? Like, is something going to happen? Or like, like you said earlier, like, are we going to get to the end of these two series and we're going to get into the 11th life of Moira and that's where the series are going to pick up? Or like, do all these series take, are they going to take place like in different Moira lives or something? Because like something weird and and bonkers is going to happen. Um, like who knows that's what I was thinking too yeah I was like wouldn't it be wild if all these series that are coming out all take place in different points in her in 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 her different lives yeah like this one's life eight that one's life three this one's life two really like that would be insane yeah I would be so here for it but that would be so insane yeah yeah well and I thought about I thought about that too because like because Apocalypse is going to be one of the main characters in Excalibur um Mm -hmm. and so like surely maybe not in the life that that she goes and Moira goes to like Apocalypse and releases him first because he like kills everybody basically. Um, I lo- I'm I'm kind of obsessed with like Apocalypse's hot wife Moira McTaggart. Like oh that was God. another thing I wanted <laughs> yeah. to say about the art. Like yeah. she's just standing next to him, Holding matching him. outfits, just with like a bunch of guns, just ready to go. Like that was so. <laughs> like I love that. That and Assassin Moira. Like I really hope that we're gonna get some mini series that are just like Moira's multiple lives acting a damn fool trying to save all the mutants. Like I love it. Yeah. Like I yeah. want I want a mini series of her killing the entire Trask family. Like I want that one. Oh yeah. Moira sure. as Black Widow. Like I want that to be the first one out the gate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well did you see like did you look at the cover for like House of X two? Because it basically no. has everything. It has everything right, like right there on the cover too. Like all of her. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like all of. But the nobody hers. figured that. Yeah. You know, nobody figured that. They're just like, who is that? And then like, I love how last week, like everybody's saying, "Oh, that's the first week." Everybody's like, "That's not Moira." And I said the same thing yeah, too. Yeah, you said like, Cassandra Nova. <laughs> yeah, nobody thought it was Moira. We're like, no, that's like somebody that's Mystique or somebody's screwing with him. But no, it is Moira. Yeah. 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 Yeah 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 oh my god yeah and like all of like the lot like it's like all of her lives like it's people that she's connected with too in each of them Mm -hmm. and oh it's just so oh and it's just like it's all there like it's all there on the cover like all the lives are there on the cover and it's just it's just oh 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 man yeah yeah i don't know what happens from here but i love i love that like i'm this excited about any comic period um me too it's been a long time for me mm-hmm. since i've been like this excited like i get up on wednesday mornings or like so i work nights so i'm not up very early um but when's the last couple wednesdays i have gotten up early to read the new issue yeah that's what i've done i download it digitally and i'm like here we go yeah 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 and I, you almost have to because you got to get ahead of because like the past two weeks like there have been so many i like go to twitter on um on like my lunch break and it's just like it's all about how it was powers of 10 and then it was house of like this this week like this issue with house of x 
it's just it's wild like it's just like you have to read it because otherwise you're screwed like the spoil like every the, everything's out there the spoilers are out there and like that's just the nature of the beast but like everybody's talking about it because it's it's just like freaking gangbusters and wild um, i have been on twitter a long time especially on like the comic side and i can't think of another book that this many people were talking about in a positive way yeah like and when i mean positive it's not that everyone's sitting around saying oh it's the greatest thing since like anything ever existed in comics but it's like there's enthusiasm about it like mm-hmm. i would typically be annoyed by the spoilers but it's like i haven't seen comics the comic side of twitter be this excited and this just invested in a comic book and i don't think i've ever seen it the enthusiasm for comics on online is still there but a lot of comics twitter as it's called kind of lost some of that enthusiasm when um the the i hate calling them this but comics gate hate calling them that but um when those guys kind of started getting a foothold in in social media some people completely backed off Mm -hmm. really getting invested in at least they were still reading but they didn't want to talk about stuff as much and like now it's like that enthusiasm that hasn't been there for a long time is back and i love it like i would be typically really annoyed by all the spoilers but i just it's really nice to see like the the healthy amount of like criticism but then also like this is fun and this is great and here's what i think is happening like i haven't seen that in a long time and it's really nice yeah yeah i think i think that's absolutely true and it's like much less like hey let's talk about all the technical know-how of the book and like talk about uh why this works or, or this that and try to like review it and assign it a number and it's more just here's all this wild shit that happens. I don't know what any of this is. Like, let's make sense of it together. And I would much rather read like annotations um, or like conversations like that, where it's like, here's all the spoilers. Here's our guesses. I would much rather read any of those things than I would read an actual like review of here's, here's to what I think about this book, one to 10, whatever. Because like, this is just way more fun. It is, and it's like, I've always liked um, being on social media with comics because I've, at least the people I follow, there's always like certain books that come out and there's a really fair amount of criticism towards them, but it's always like constructive kind of fun criticism. At least it is to me because I don't think most things aren't perfect. So yeah, um, but I really do appreciate the enthusiasm. It's really nice. It's even like, even the more cynical people are like, no, this is like really interesting stuff. Like maybe they're not thrilled with the storytelling or whatever but it's like they're like no this is like really interesting stuff and like everybody's got theories and it's exciting i I appreciate the enthusiasm like i hope it keeps up like throughout all of it and then like when the new series launch it's like those get a lot of excitement around them too at least Mm -hmm. that's what i hope yeah i do too i do too i do too uh yeah i love this i love this um well cool any more any more house of x thoughts I can't wait for the next issue next week. Can't wait powers for powers of 10. Can't wait for powers of 10 too. Yeah. Um, Are we calling this house of 10 now? That's what I'm confused about. Has I, Hickman said anything? No, when they announced it, they said it was, it was house of X and powers of 10. So okay. I think this is house because it, because the last, the last thing on the year 10 timeline is house of X. 
Um, or it could, I mean, I guess you could read a house of 10, but, um, so I think, I think it's house of X, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they named it because it's her 10th life, but they're calling it house, whatever. I don't, ah, we didn't even talk about like, we like reference the timeline thing, but we didn't like talk about it. So I love, I just love it. I love it. It was a fun thing to turn to. Okay. That's all. I'm excited about where we go from here. Powers of 10 to out next week or out. Well, it'll be out by the time this episode debuts. Um, so we'll, we'll be back at some point to talk about it. Um, but we're going to take a break for right now and we'll come back to the second part of the episode and we'll talk about some more. Comments. So we'll see you. Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And we're back. I guess we're back to being Make My Multiversity. So we've like slobbered over over Hickman stuff for X-Men stuff for long, long enough. It's like the first time that I ever thought that I would ever say that like I'm super excited to be talking a lot about X-Men stuff. But here we are again. So we're back uh, for the second part of the episode. We're going to be talking about three books that Marvel put out in the July, beginning of, of August. Uh, we're going to begin with abs- the beginning of uh the Donny Cates, Ryan Stegman, uh, Absolute Carnage event with Absolute Carnage number one. Then we're going to talk about uh, Valkyrie number one, which came out at the end of July and is a spinoff of Jason Aaron and, and Russell Dodderman's War of the Realms. And we're also going to talk about Death's Head number one, which is the first part of a four-issue miniseries um, about the 90s Marvel UK character. Uh, so we're going to kick off with Absolute Carnage number one. Um, written by, as I said, Donnie Cates, illustrated by Ryan Stegman, inked by J.P. Mayer, and colored by Frank Martin. This is the beginning of a now five-issue uh, event that spins out of Cates and Stegman's and Ivan Coelho's, uh, Coelho's uh, uh, Venom book. Um, but this issue is oversized. It cost $8.00. Uh, to get and it's uh, it's sixty something pages, seventy two pages, whatever, uh, and it contains basically three full chapters, so like three full issues of this event, um, almost in one issue. In one issue, so Jess, we'll start with you. Uh, what did you think about Absolute Carnage number one? Um, it's not a bad comic. It's just not really my thing. Like I've always liked what. Venom and Carnage look like, but I've never usually been like big into their to their actual stories. So, and I haven't been reading really anything that Donny Cates and Stegman have been doing. So, yeah. I I yeah. mean, if you follow this enough, like it's easy to understand. It's it's fine, but it's just like I don't have that much investment in these characters other than the way that they look. Which, yeah, like yeah. that's that's going to be like a thing. That's good. That's like the only thing I really liked about it was Stegman's art. So. Yeah, yeah, 
this is this is the best thing that I've ever seen Stegman draw ever. Like this it's comic really is great. Like, it's it's awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's like horrifically beautiful. Um and yeah, I think it's I think it's brilliant. And I think we talked about this when we talked about Venom back when we read the the first arc stuff that like like I've never been a huge Stegman fan, but like what Stegman is doing here and I think it's because he's being inked by by Meyer, who like for this series is the first time that he's ever had Meyer inked. But like everything about what he's doing here just like really works, and it really sells. Oh, that's thunder! Um, it just like really sells like the like darker and like horror stuff of it. Um, and I yeah. just and and like the colors are just like great. And and there's like a bunch of pages in particular, like the in chapter three, like the jailbreak thing, where mm-hmm. like where like they're coming to get um like osborne out of jail and there's like the few like one pages where like carnage is just like walking in to the to the prison cell and like everything like suddenly goes red that are just like like terrifying to look at but they're like gorgeous pages of this comic they really are like it's it's if you're gonna draw these characters going against each other like this, like you better do it with a horror slant and not like an action slant. So mm-hmm. I, I liked it. I, I really like what Stegman does. Like that third chapter in particular at the prison is my favorite part of the whole book. Yeah. Like with Norman Osborn, I guess slash Cletus Cassidy. Cause I don't know. What are we calling him? Is he Cletus or is he Norman? He's I, like Normie. Cause like at the end of, of, of Dan slots, like in 800, when he like has the carnage, symbiote thing and he because uh, he like becomes the red goblin and then he like loses the like part of the carnage symbiote that he had but he like thinks that he's Cletus Cassidy and okay. like Slot did that so this is like picking up on like directly on what Slot did at the end of, of, of his run yeah um, so so that that whole sequence was really good mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that was really good yeah um it's just gory and it's violent and like if you're gonna do it then do it for a slightly older audience and just go really crazy with it like i haven't seen a venom movie but like i kind of wish anything with venom or or carnage is just full-on horror anyway because it's like they lend themselves to that really well and like and like as far as the story goes like I'm willing to give this a chance because I do think it's kind of interesting that, like, I've always thought Eddie Brock was kind of interesting as a character, especially in more recent years when people started really doing some stuff with him. But, like, I don't know. It's just not my cup of tea, but I'm, like, willing to give it a chance because I do think the adding the kids into it and uh, adding him having this son now and having to protect him, I think that that's all really interesting and that makes it, like, I'll say this, like, it's more interesting as a story than anything else I've read with these characters, because it's more like there, there's a human component to it. It's not just, let's just fight each other to fight each other. You know, there's a human element to it, which I think you need to tell any good story. So, so it's a well-done book. It's just not what I usually like. I, I yeah, think it just yeah. comes down to it just being characters I'm not all that invested in. Sure, sure. And that makes a lot of sense. And, um, and like, I've caught up a little bit on this book and like, I, I really, really liked the first arc and I liked what Kate's did with, um, like with Null and with like bringing in sort of like the bigger mythos and the God aspect of it stuff. And I love that he carried that over then to like the Silver Surfer Black, um, 
which like sort of ties in to some of this. And like, I think that that, that book is like also like gorgeously drawn by another really competent artist in, in Tony Moore. And like, that's really cool. And like, I love that he's kind of building out this sort of mythos or whatever, but you're right. Like this is not, um, I mean, like I, I caught, I read all of the second arc of Venom, like by itself, which is like where his kid gets introduced. He like goes to, um, his, his like dad's play he ends up like in his dad, like in his dad's place and like learns that this kid exists and, um, like the symbiote kind of like overwrites some of his memories and they like split and they don't get back together until here. Um, and like, it's like fine. I mean, like it's, it's not a story that I'm like, this is like the thing that I have to be the most invested in, but like this, I mean, this issue looks really, really gorgeous. And I wanted to, I wanted to ask, cause I have a lot of thoughts about the fact that like, I think, I think everything that we said, like, this is like a very, a very like very very competent story like it's it's beautiful and it's like well done for what it is um and i was so mad reading it <laughs> it I, I give him credit you got your eight dollars worth i just didn't yeah. think like i don't know I, I i don't know if it needed to be this long <laughs> yeah yeah and i'll i'll even take it a step further i don't know that this needs to be an event comic yeah like, why is this so special? Why can't this just be, like, Venom? What number are they up to? Like, 16 or 17. Yeah, why couldn't this just be, like, Venom 17? Or, like, yeah. launch it at, like, Venom 20, so it's, like, a round number. So it could yeah. be, like, the start of a trade. I don't know. Yeah. And that's, like, the thing that I was thinking about the entire time that I was reading this. Um, because this is just, like, three long Venom issues in one book. Um and there's like nothing about this issue that screams that it needed to be more than Venom. Like it even, even the back, even the, the backs, the back matter stuff and the end of the issue is like them answering uh, like letters from yeah. like the Venom comic. Yeah. Like they're answering mail from Venom. Yeah. Um, and like Spider-Man shows up. Okay, cool. So like Peter Parker shows up. So like, but even why that, then you still do that in a Venom comic? It's Spider Man. You could <laughs> you could totally still do that in a Venom comic, or like you could do like another. And they did this uh, like slot in uh, whoever wrote Venom before Kate's. It's like they did like a Venom Amazing Spider Man crossover. Yeah, you could have done this. You could have done this there, and it would have made so much like more sense because like the second issue could have been like an Amazing Spider Man issue because it's really like Peter centric, and then could have like hopped back and forth it could have been like a it, this could have been sort of like an event thing but you could have like an alpha and omega issue and it was like an in venom an amazing spider-man and i just i just hate i just hate that this is an event comic yeah um and i and i hate it even more because this is like a week and an episode where we're also talking about house of x and powers of 10 which feel like events yeah and like that's that's something that needs the moniker of an event comic and this doesn't yeah but even then it's like yeah but even then it's like it's just those two yeah, series yeah and like there's nothing else happening and we talked about this a little bit when we talked about the end of war of the realms because i also after reading this too like i also totally think that war of the realms should never have been an event comic either like i think it just should have continued in um in like aaron's thor run because like by by blowing mm-hmm. it up, they made parts of it kind of weaker, and it just like it was just 
it was just more of his Thor story. And it ended like it ended being more of his Thor story because all of the like the the past and the future Thor like show up. And this is just like an extension of of Kate's Venom book in a way that doesn't need this like big treatment. And this this issue, like this long overstuffed issue, is just an excuse to shove three issues of of a series into one book. In an event comic, that's now five issues. So basically, this comic will end up being like seven or eight issues of like an event. Basically, like that's like that'll be the like that'll be how it's sort of like divided is into like eight chapters. Um, yeah. And then also, but the other part of this, this is, and this is, I think, is why I'm the most mad because it makes like this is this is a great story. Um, well, well drawn. Could have been tied together with amazing Spider-Man stuff, Kate's and Nick Spencer, not that they would have had to co-write it, but like Spencer couldn't involved. And now because this is a five issue event comic that spread from August to November, there are 24 tie-in issues to absolute carnage that are going to happen. And that's insane. That's freaking. It's, it's like, uh, it's, un, it's unbelievable. Like there's a couple of mini series. There's some one shots. Um, and I just find it like really, really <laughs> awful. And especially too, like I, I was, and I had this, and I hate that, like I'm, I'm comparing this to House of X and Powers of Ten, um, because like it stands, like they're not the same, and this, this like this stands on its own, and it's, and I did really enjoy the issue, I really did. Um, but like House of X and Powers of Ten, just like they feel like episodes, and they feel like really great and like they're utilizing the weekly format of how like of and like single issues of comics like super super well in ways that like this this is what it means to pick up something like as a periodical whereas like reading this it's just like okay here's three issues shoved into one thing at a price tag of 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 eight dollars because we know that we can get more money out of you an issue number one for eight bucks than we could have gotten if we spread this across three issues because the attrition would have been, would have been lower. And it also just speaks to like the worst sort of like sensibilities of this like weird era of like binge culture that we're in now of like having to have like Netflix shows all together in one bundle so that we can like work our way through them or having, I guess like to have our comics all together, which is like, I'm not, I'm not dissing on people who read comics and trade because that's totally fine and wonderful and like a much cheaper and more efficient way to read comics. Like that's all fun. And you read them as like installments, but this is just like, here, let, let us give you three issues at once. And we'll just like work our way really quickly through this and like throw in like and dump a bunch of tie-ins on it. And it's just like so impatient and so just like hur- hurried and weird because all three of these chapters would totally work super well as individual issues. Like they don't at all read like they needed to be bundled together like this. Like it absolutely reads and they're like like and that's like a compliment to like what Kate and Segment are doing. They read like they they read almost like Kate and Segment got three issues into this Venom arc and Marvel was like, hey, we're gonna turn that into a vent and we're gonna lump this into one issue. Um Yeah. And I just hate that because I think I think it just I think it just like speaks to like all the worst things that I hate about how we like consume media now and these like huge 
bundles and like are so impatient and and like just have so much gotten away from like the ep- like the episodic nature of of things and it's just like is reads really greedy and really wrong and it rubbed me in all the wrong ways even though i liked the content of the issue yeah that was a long rant i apologize no no you're right though <laughs> oh yeah but i liked it I liked. I want to read more. I absolutely, in no way, want to read the tie-ins to this. Sometimes I think that like I'm going to read the tie-in issues to like events because I I feel like I need to or whatever. And in this, like, I really just want to work my way through Absolute Carnage. And maybe I'll read the Venom tie-ins and the Absolute Spider-Man tie-ins because like I'm slowly no. I'm reading those books like in batches as they like come out. But I don't really want to read any more than that. And I also don't know why any of those tie like there's like an Avengers tie-in and an Immortal Hulk tie-in issue and stuff. I don't know why those had to be full issues and they couldn't just like be referenced in those series in some ways. Or that those characters could have just showed up in this event and we wouldn't have had to like have some weird tie-in thing in the way that they are. Um, I don't know. It reads, it just reads really odd. It's just odd. It's just, and yeah. Okay. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Um, do you have any other absolute carnage thoughts? No, we we have we we are not fans. That that is where we have. <laughs> so, yeah. Sorry, are you guys. you said you, you said you were interested? That would you read the next issue of? of I think series? I would try the next one and go from there. Okay. All right. I All think, right. and that'll depend right. on the kind of mood I'm in. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Well, it's out this month because it's double shipping in oh, August. Gosh. So. <laughs> so really you're getting like four or five issues of this like what should be an eight or nine issue arc of a comic in one month so there you go all right well moving on to something that i enjoyed a lot more in terms of both the issue itself and like the content of it is valkyrie number one uh valkyrie jane foster number one co-written by al ewing and jason aaron illustrated by kafu colored by Jesus Abertov, and then lettered by Joe Sabino. So this is the first issue of Jane Foster's second, well, I guess third ongoing series, because she we had Thor, and then we had the Mighty Thor. Um, spinning out of War of the Realms, which saw all of the Valkyries die in the big war, and Jane at the end, because of uh, her getting a hold of uh, this, I don't know how to say it, but the all-weapon, which I think is actually just the ultimate Thor's hammer thing, like from the ultimate universe that then like the war, like the, like the war Thor picked that Balder picked up and was using, and then like suddenly turned into this thing at the end of war of the realms. But that doesn't matter. Um, her picking up this all weapon. And then she assumes the mantle of Valkyrie because there are no more Valkyries. Um, and I, lo- I, I really, really like this issue, but Jess, like, well, I want to hear from you first. So what were your sort of uh, initial thoughts reading this? Cause you've been a fan of, of, of what Jason, Aaron was doing with um with with Jane and all that. Yeah, I I was. I really like this cuz I think it does a good job in just the first issue of making it feel different from Th- from Thor. Oh my god. I'm so sorry. Um I think it does a good job of making this different from Thor. Um because what the god of thunder is or the goddess of thunder is is very different from what a Valkyrie does. And so like Jane kind of is a little bit overconfident 
a little bit because she thinks that you know she's yeah she's a Valkyrie now, but like she spent so much time being Thor that like she doesn't put too much time into learning her abilities. And I think she, I think in this this fight that she has in the beginning, I think her overconfidence kind of gets to her, and that's why she ultimately kind of fails. Um, but I do really like, and I think this is because Jason Aaron's writing it, um, along with Al Ewing, but I think it, this is why it works so well, because it's not like he ended her story as the Goddess of Thunder and then gave it completely to somebody else. It very much feels like a natural continuation so that's that's I really like that. Um, it doesn't feel like someone else just picked it up and is doing whatever they want with her. If that makes sense, um, her voice is still the same. Like her her everything about her is still the same, um, with the enough differences because being Thor and being a Valkyrie are very different jobs. Um, yeah, which she kind of understands by the end of the first issue, which I like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that's I think that that's totally true, and you can see like a lot of continuity from it with like Jason Aaron writing, but I love, I, I really, really love what, like what Al Ewing brings to it. And I think, I think this just kind of speaks like him and I just kind of have similar sort of like sensibilities. So like at the beginning of all of the, or a lot of the immortal Hulk issues, he's had like quotes from like Carl Jung, who was a, um, like a, a psychologist, psycho, a psychoanalyst in like the beginning of like the 1900s or whatever. And he's like, wrote a lot of stuff about like psychoanalysis and religion um, and like new and quotes from him at like the beginning of Immortal Hulk. And like here, like the, the title of this arc is called the sacred and the profane. Um, and like that, those are like very sort of like charged, like religious concepts, but they're like two um, like big, like religions, like religion and sociology or like religion, whatever, uh, scholars like Emil Durkheim and like Mircea Eliade who like do a lot with the sacred and the profane and like Eliade actually wrote a book called the sacred and the profane and so like I was reading this and I was like oh and I saw that that first off I was like oh like Ewing is like doing the religion thing still again and like carrying that over especially into the series which like kind of needs all of that because he's actually dealing with sort of like a mythology even though it's like the Marvel comics version of North, Norse mythology. And I just Which thought it was really, really cool. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, you can see sort of, like, what is... Not necessarily, like, what is Aaron and, like, what is Ewing, like, where they wrote, but you can see, like, both of them here. And I just, like, I think that that's really, really cool. And especially cool, too, because, like, you in the way that, that you framed it and it's framed in the issue of, like, it's Jane learning what it meant to be Thor and what it means to be Valkyrie and those being two things, um, two different things. Yeah, uh, and... And I do really think that boils down to it still being Jason Aaron. Because yeah. I, like I, I like Al Ewing a lot. I just think that the transition is much better when um, that person is still involved. Like, it's... Jason Aaron and Russell Dowderman didn't create Jane Foster, but they did completely reinvent her for a, for a new audience. They reinvented her so much that the next Thor movie is going to feature god of thunder jane which is like yeah. a huge huge deal um yeah. yeah that's a huge deal um it's it's similar to like how dc reinvented harley quinn for good and bad you know they reinvented her and that's where 
a lot of the inspiration now from the movies from the Margot Robbie portrayal comes from. So it's yeah. like it's good to have like it's it's good to like make characters like this uh someone you can transform if you need to. And like I hate to like go back to like House of X cuz like um it's, <laughs> it's, it's fine it's, it's fine it's, yeah i guess it's fine but like what that what, what that what that series does with moira mctaggart is kind of like what happens with jane over the last couple of years that she's not the character that she used to be she's not the the love interest or the 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 girl that thor the one girl that thor knows you know so it's like yeah she's not the one human hanging out with the gods you know so like it's it's exciting and i like that even if you know even if this series doesn't go for so long and maybe if there's a couple mini series down the line cuz this doesn't sell the way thor did at least like this is being done with her you know like yeah. she didn't yeah. she didn't just get to be thor and now she's back to being human and that's the end of it like she has a new role that's very much hers so yeah. i like this issue cuz i think it does a really good job of setting all that up i mean i'm kind of iffy about bullseye because i think that's such a random villain to bring in but um she's got to have villains and it's usually easier to do something like this with an established villain and then kind of set up her world and her story and then maybe the next villain she gets is like somebody completely unique to her you know so i mean it's it's i'm just not a big bullseye fan but like so it's just random but i think it works and how you're gonna tell how you're gonna tell this story for her but i really like this like i'm i'm gonna keep reading this like i i hope that this isn't like stealth canceled after like six issues um i mean i can't see it getting stealth canceled because like i said she is going to be thor in the next movie so yeah you know, oh yeah gotta keep that yeah. marketing going <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I think I think everything that you that you said is really is 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 really good. Really, I love I love that at the end of at the end of Aaron's Thor saga, like whatever he did with Thor, like and Thor being the All Father, like he's those are not going to be things really that Aaron's excuse me that Aaron's going to be exploring. But I love that he set up like Jane to have her own role. And that she like continues and like will continue to have her own role here. Yeah, like th- this seems like permanent in in a lot of ways. Like I can't see really even if all the Valkyries were to come back. Like I can't see. I mean, I could see, I guess, but like it's it's more difficult to see a a Marvel Universe future in which Jane Foster is not Valkyrie for like the next at least like decade or this that and the other. Like this seems more permanent, especially as this issue is like okay, how do I readjust to, like, being a civilian and being a hero, like, being, like, a real human and being a hero, which, like, those are all very, like, Marvel concepts and this, that, and the other. Like, and this just seems like that Aaron's left Jane with something to do for the next, like, foreseeable future. And I and I hope this book, like you're saying, is not, like, self-canceled. And I don't know that it will be. Yeah. Yeah. But I also, like, I could see, like, this series at some point ending and then, like, Jane getting like moved to like an Avengers team or like still appearing in whatever the next phase of Thor stuff is. Like, I don't think that she's going away anytime soon. Like she, she may not always have a solo series, but she is going to be like a permanent addition to the Marvel universe in, in a heroic manner. 
Yeah, like the only way I could see her not being around anymore is if they try to if they try to make Valkyrie be more of Tessa Thompson Valkyrie. Oh yeah. Like they have a character come in that that Jane ends up passing it down to that is basically just Tessa Thompson Valkyrie. Mm-hmm. But that's like the only way I could see her being gone from that. Like I think the days of Jane Foster just being like a doctor, which is like not some little thing, but like I think that the days of her just being average, ordinary Jane Foster, I think that's gone. Yeah, yeah. And she could very well like they could very well introduce a Valkyrie character that's like Tessa Thompson and they could both be Valkyries together because like that's well there's always been that's that's the thing of it like and that's what they introduce in the story she's the only one but there's always been many Valkyries you can't just have one Valkyrie you know you gotta have a lot of them because they serve a purpose between life and death yeah so yeah and they gotta you know they gotta fly out at the end of the Flash Gordon movie See, yeah. <laughs> see, you know, now that I mentioned that, like, you know who would be a good villain for her if we're going to have her deal with established villains? Hella. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She's been, so Hella's been over in Kate's Guardians of the Galaxy stuff. Um, yeah. Well, she should come back and fight Valkyrie. That's true. I do, like, I do have hope that, because I, I, I did also get to the end of this issue, and it's like, why is Bullseye riding a Pegasus? Like, Bullseye wants to be a Valkyrie. Like, shout out to Bullseye for wanting to join the Valkyries, yeah. but we don't need him. Rain- you know? Rainbow, Rainbow <laughs> Bullseye. Uh, you know, like, I appreciate the enthusiasm here, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. But he it does in the, like, scene where he stabs the yellow Power Ranger or whatever. Um, he's, like, <laughs> calling somebody else. Like, there's somebody controlling him. And presumably that, I guess, will be, like, the bigger villain for this thing. And I think that, like, that's cool. Um, they're like, you know, bullseye's just like a, a, a gun for hire and there's like other things happening. Um, and so I have hope that this book is going to set up like a larger sort of mythical, um, antagonist for, for Jane, or it's just going to like watch her wreck her day-to-day life, which I'm kind of here for. Um, yeah. Uh, like either, either way I'm good, but yeah, the bullseye thing kind of threw me. Because I loved, I loved like the first few issues with her fighting that like weird um, roller derby team or whatever. I'm not even gonna look up their names because uh, it was just like okay, like she's a god now, but she's fighting like you know roller skate weirdos or whatever, and like that's cool and like fun and all that. Um, and like that's in the same issue that like there's like she learns that she can see like when people die, and there's like that huge skull moon thing behind Heimdall, which is also dope looking. That page was really, really cool. Um, I love, I love, uh, Kafu's, uh, art. Like, um, he's done a lot. I think this is his first Marvel work, although I could be wrong about that. Or his first, like, big Marvel Marvel work. He did, he's done a, a lot of stuff over at Valiant for the last few years, um, yeah, that's why I recognize his art right away because mm-hmm. I I read a bunch of the Valiant stuff from a couple years back. So yeah, yeah, and like those have all been really really good. Um, like he does a lot of like Imperium and on Ninjak, um, and on Rye and and some other stuff. And like I loved I loved what and Unity and I loved what he was doing over there. And I think that like he's like a really great fit for this book because. Um, it's like sort of in the same vein of Russell Dodderman, but um, like in the same sort of like style, but it's different. Like there's always like very 
you know, like very stark differences. But Donnerman was kind of like a no, not like a no name, um, like a, a, not a household name when he took over uh, like Thor duties. And like, now he's one of the biggest artists that Marvel has. And I could see, not that this book being the thing that makes Kafu like that sort of like bigger name, but this could be like be the start for a lot more, the beginning of a lot more Marvel work for him, which is exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for more of this book. I like, I like it a lot. Me too. Yeah. Okay. All right. One more issue to go. Um, so we have the first issue of the four issue miniseries death, death's head written by Tini Howard, illustrated by Kizama, colored by Felipe Sobiero, and lettered by Travis Lanham. Um, I also really, really loved this issue, and I thought it was, like, super cool. Um, it came out the same week that House of X number one came out, and I think I read these back-to-back, um, and I just thought that they were... Like, like, obviously, this is, like, a lot smaller scope, than what House of X is, but I think like together they're just both really inventive breeds. Um, and so I'm curious what you what you thought of it. So take it away. Um, I really like this. Uh, I don't know anything about Death's Head, so like my knowledge of, yeah, I don't of that either. was like yeah. I don't know anything about Death's Head. Um, but like that's kind of what worked for me. Like I don't need a whole like history of a character to like get into it. If you just give me enough and like a really fun story, then I can get into it. And like that's kind of what this was. Like he's like a robot bounty hunter. Yeah. And like he's decommissioned and he's made to be an amp. Yeah. <laughs> for a band, and then like he loses his shit, and then like. Wiccan and Hulkling of all people end up with him, yeah. which is like that's fun. Like that's why I liked it. It's like it's like two boys and their robot. Yeah, their yeah. New robot friend. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I like that. Um, I I like I liked it. It was really fun. Like it. It's another thing that I don't know how long it's going to be allowed to run. But you know, it's only four issues. Oh. So yeah. So but it's fun. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I thought it was super fun. I loved I loved like the opening um pages uh with all the like uh like like comp size script and things. Um and like that's what I think that I, I thought like reading this next to like House of X, which used a lot of sort of like weird techie like design stuff. And here there's like in story um sort of like techie um like lettering. And so shout out to like Lanham for all that but i thought that like it's and it's almost it's almost even too because it's like death's had like inner programming and stuff so it's like it's like inner monologue in the form of like weird or like inner monologue in the form of like coding and i just thought it was really really cool and and really really brilliant and like yeah i loved yeah i loved i loved that and i thought it was like super creative um and i think it's cool that like Hulkling and, and, and Wiccan show up uh, too. Yeah, it's really fun that she gets to write them because I know that she's like a fan of those characters. Yeah. So like it's, it's, it reads like somebody's dream book, sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, it's a really fun read. Like I don't know if it's going to be for everybody, but like if you kind of want something that's like 
super not connected to like everything else and is just fun like this is it yeah well and i had the thought that this might tie into what she's gonna do starting in strike force because Wick- yeah, wiccan's probably. in that book yeah and you've got the whole thing with him messing around trying to look into the other multiverses and whatnot so yeah what does he what does he say like uh googling googling myself in the in the ether of space time uh, yeah that was just like so sad and so depressing <laughs> but like <laughs> wonderful um like a oh like my life didn't turn out the way that i wanted it to and instead of just like drinking like normal people do when that happens <laughs> he's like oh i have the power to like scrawl and 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 see myself in all these different timelines where my life is better like how just like awful and like morbid is that in like the best way oh it's great oh oh my god it's great but i do love that this just boils down to being a book about two boys and their robot yeah so. yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the best kind of story. Yeah, well, and that's not the direction that I thought like that this book was going. Like, definitely when we got to the end. No, me neither. Like, I knew that I knew that this book was going to star Hulkling and Wiccan because she talked about that in in interviews, and I thought it was just going to be more a comparison of like, okay, like Death's Head really hasn't had a series since I think he was a a Marvel UK character in like the nineties, and like Hulkling and Wiccan are the two characters out of the Young Avengers that haven't really like risen to the forefront. Um, no and that's like a thing that's said in the book too that like they like wiccan especially wants to be an avenger again and he feels like he's on the outside looking in yeah 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 yeah. and i thought like it was just gonna be like you know sort of like oh thematic comparisons and maybe they would team up and like discover their relevance again or some shit or whatever i did not like picture multiverse multiversal shenanigans where like wiccan killed an alternate an alternate timeline version of death's head that he was in Avengers with or something like that's yeah. wild and great. And he's like, the, the body is under their like shitty Ikea bed. Um, oh, it's great. Yeah. Oh my God. I loved it. I freaking love. And, and this is, this is, this is the best thing about, about this whole issue. There's that one, there's a couple panels where you see it. Did you see Wiccan's nails? Yes. <laughs> They're great. I loved that. Like this book is also just like very gay. Yeah, which is how a Wiccan and Hulkling book should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's just great. It's like, it's like queer in the best way. And like, in like a like Wiccan calls Hulkling like baby at one point, in just like the yeah. most unapologetic way. Um, it's great. And it's it's. And I and I. And I really did enjoy the art too, because it it doesn't look like any other Marvel book. It's it very much is like kind of messy and grungy. Yeah, which I liked. Yeah, I think that suited the story really well. Yeah, yeah. There were a couple. There were a couple panel like some panels at some places where like they're like it's like very grungy and, and muddled that um, like it's hard to make out where limbs are and what exactly is happening. But mm-hmm. overall, like I totally agree. Like I think that um, that like Zama and Sabria are, like are like a great match for this sort of book. Cause it also looks like what I sort of imagine, um, like eighties and early nineties, like comics kind of look like in some ways too. And like that similar sort of like grungy way with like a lot of, um, like white backgrounds and 
and this set. I don't know if I don't know if you got if you got those vibes. You've read a lot more of those of that era of comics. Yeah, no, it definitely it definitely gives you that vibe, which is good. It it works for this series a lot. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And like all the sound effects too are just like doom, 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 which is just I just think it's cool too. Um, like that's the only onomatopoeia is doom, 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 doom. Oh, and there's a bang. There's like some bangs when there's a bang. Yeah, there's a bang. Um, but I all the like all those all the the dooms like stood out to me, and I thought that was really really cool. Yeah, I thought this book was great. Even like the name, even like the name of the issue where it's the like it's the body in question, but the D is in parentheses, so it's like both about death's head and about wiccan which is like yeah yeah i don't know i i i like i think that like fun languagey things like that are also and like i'm nerdy like that and and i think those (laughs) things are cool but um but yeah it's it's a book about two boys and their robot and teeny howard gets to write sexy assassin robot ladies so it's really it's really everything that you would want it's really a book for the family yeah yeah, it's really this is uh it's G rated, you know, like <laughs> um read this with your nephew, yada yada yada. Um yeah, I thought this was cool. I'm really looking forward to the rest of this book. Um like this book didn't need an ongoing. Like I'm glad that it's just like gonna be four issues and gonna be out. Um and I think that like Zama and, and Teeny Howard are gonna tell like a really fun story. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. I really, I, I, I am, and I, and even, even like I was hesitant about her like Strike Force book, and honestly, like kind of forgot about it a little bit until I was like prepping for this show because Marvel's announced like so many, so many books lately, and then also like House of X and Powers of Ten have kind of like consumed all my Marvel thoughts, but like this makes me more excited for that book because Wiccan's going to be in that. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Well, any other. Any other uh, House of X thoughts? Because that's... <laughs> cool. No, I got uh, all that out of me. All right, all right, all right. Well, folks, that's our show for this month. We'll be back in. Uh, we'll be back in September for sure. We might. Well, there'll be some changes coming up to make my multiversity. You'll hear about some of that in the coming weeks as we retool and revamp and rethink about what the show is going to look like in the future. So stay tuned for thoughts about that. But until then, make mine Hickman. See, I can end a show. <laughs> I can end go. a show. I know how to do this. And then I bragged about it, so I made it even worse. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, bye! Bye!